It is finished. These are the words that Jesus spoke last of all from the cross. And then it says in the 19th chapter of John that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Some great project is being completed like the final molding for a remodeled house, the perfecting coat of paint on a vintage car, the last stitch in a quilt, the conclusive test of a new software product. It is finished. What exactly is the it that's finished? by Jesus on the cross. Maybe it's the paying the price for our sins, like a debt that's stamped paid in full. Maybe it's Jesus fulfilling all the promises that God gave us in his word. Maybe it's completing a picture of the loving face of God. All of these possibilities are true and probably are included in this idea of finishing. But John's emphasis in his own gospel focuses on the task of revealing God, shining the light into a world that's grown dark with misunderstandings of God's character. That's John's emphasis. It starts at the very beginning of the book in John chapter 1 where we hear John saying, Jesus, the Word, came as the true light that gives light to every man. He was coming into the world. John goes on to say, This word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the bright glory of the one and only one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The very beginning of John's gospel gives us this job description for Jesus. He comes as the light to reveal the fullness of God's grace and love and glory. He comes to be the light of all humanity. It says he's the light that shines upon all. In my cross-training class right now called Love Walked Among Us, we have a, a member of our class, Irene Espy, and she's the oldest member of our class, but she comes up with some amazing contributions to our class on Sunday One Sunday, she told us this story about a little boy sitting in church with a pad of paper and a pencil, and he was drawing something on the paper, and his mom asked him, what are you drawing? And he said, I'm drawing a picture of God. Well, the mother, who was a theologian of sorts, she says, well, but no one knows what God looks like. Little boy, not to be uh, frustrated by that, he says, well, they'll know when I'm finished. What if somebody came into the world who really could draw a picture of the true God 
And when he was finished, we would know who the true God is and what he's like. That's what the Gospel of John says is happening here as the Word becomes flesh to live among us. And right away, we have story after story in the Gospel of John of Jesus revealing God's character to people like you and me. John 4 has the story of the Samaritan woman who was drawing water at noontime from the well. And uh, when Jesus meets her, she is really confused because he wants her to give him a drink. And she says, wait a minute, um, what do you, a Jew, have to do with me, a Samaritan? Because she's from a different ethnic group, one that most Jewish people hate and believe is a false religion. And uh, they don't have anything to do with each other normally. But Jesus uh, wants to show God's love to this woman. And he tells her, he's come to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Those are his words to the woman at the well. And that word finish there in John 4 is the very same Greek verb to finish that we see here on the cross. It is finished. When Jesus is showing that woman what the true God is like, that he's not a God who has ethnic favorites, that he loves some people and not others, but he loves all. Jesus is there to shine the light, to draw a picture of the true God's face. That's his work. In uh, the next story, in John 5, we find a 38-year-old invalid who's been waiting year after year, fruitlessly waiting for healing, which never comes, in spite of all his prayers and all his efforts. And Jesus blesses him, touches him, and heals him, and shows him that nothing is broken so badly that God can't fix it, There's no story so desperate that it can't come untrue. And he tells this to the man that he's healed in John 5. Quote, The very work the Father has given me to finish, and which I am now doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. Now, here we have, again, that word, finish. He says, this is the very work I'm doing. I'm finishing the work God gave me. Um, There is no human suffering that is too deep for God. Jesus is drawing a picture. He's bringing the light. That's his work. He's there to heal this man's broken body. In John 8, we come to another story of Jesus giving this light to a woman who has the pain of guilt hanging heavily on her. She's a woman who's been caught in the very act of adultery and is now being condemned by the religious folks who want her to believe if you sin, God rejects you. If you mess up like you've messed up, There's no hope for you. And we see Jesus coming into this situation to show the woman that there's no sin that's too awful, that it can't be forgiven. There's no darkness that cannot be 
enlightened. He says, I'm the light of the world. Those are the words that follow this conversation with the woman in Acts and northern John chapter 8. And he says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you see Jesus is shining the light, and he's drawing a picture with this light? That's his work. In John chapter 9, we have another story about a man who's born blind, who's suffering the pain of isolation and darkness, as you might imagine a blind person would. And to make matters worse, the disciples try to blame his blindness on him. They say, Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it him or his parents that he has this terrible curse? But Jesus walks right into this darkness, this darkness of misunderstanding about God. And he shines the light. He shows that the extent of God's love goes way beyond these disciples' imagination He said he's come to display that light. Pain and suffering don't mean that God condemns us. God is not the cause of evil. And uh, then Jesus makes this comment in John 9, verses 4 and 5. I need more light myself for this tiny print in my Bible. Jesus said, As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus has a work to do. That work is to shine the light and to draw that picture Then we come to the end of Jesus' life, and I'm going to skip over a lot of this gospel story, but I think we've made the point, haven't we, that Jesus has a work to do which has to do with enlightenment. In John chapter 12, in one of his final messages to his disciples, he has this to say in chapter 12, verse 44. Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I've come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should have any darkness or stay in darkness. So what's Jesus' work? His work is to uh, reveal his Father. So that anyone looks at him, they'll know what God is like. A few verses later, John quotes Jesus as saying, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a verse many of us have memorized. And that really is a verse that kind of sums up this major theme of John's gospel. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Once when our children were little, we went camping. And um, we got to our campsite late at night, set up our tent in the dark. And uh, the next morning when we got out of our tent and began looking around, we were amazed at the glorious, dramatic beauty of the Rocky Mountains that were surrounding us. 
which we hadn't been able to fully appreciate when we arrived there after dark. Jesus is saying something like this, that he's come into the world to reveal this beautiful, amazing love of God, this unlimited love which includes all people. That's his work, to illumine the darkness. And then we finally come now to Jesus' final prayer in John chapter 17. Now remember, this prayer occurs just before his trial and his crucifixion. And here we also have some very meaningful words that help us understand what this phrase means. It is finished. Listen to this. Jesus said to his disciples, or he prayed rather with them in his presence, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those who you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave to me. That's his final prayer. He's acknowledging his mission. Father, this is the task you gave me, to bring light in the darkness. And now, Lord, bless me as I walk this final few steps down the path of suffering for the sake of the world, that I might bring this revelation fully to the ones you've given me. I brought glory on earth, he says, by completing the work you gave to me. Now let's review all the fake views of God that we've mentioned already tonight that Jesus has come to dispel. God loves some ethnic groups, but not others. Darkness. Let the light shine on that. God inflicts suffering because he's mad at you. That is darkness. Let the light shine on that. See what's real. If you sin, God hates you. Not true. Some sins are unforgivable. No way. God loves the morally upright, but not the immoral. I am the light, Jesus says. There's a park in Taiwan that is is dedicated to a religious theme, and they have statues of many of the great religious leaders of history of different civilizations scattered throughout this park. They have statues of Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and Confucius and Muhammad, and each one has a little plaque sort of summing up the essence of what they taught. And all these people taught great moral principles. I'm sure we would agree. That's why so many people look to them for wisdom. But the plaque for Jesus simply says this. Only one, only one showed us that God is love, that his love is for all. Jesus So tonight, let's light some candles.
We have this display of light tonight to represent this work that Jesus came to do and that he finished on the cross. To dispel the darkness, I'd like the, my helpers to come up now and grab some baskets because we're going to ask you, if you'd like, to come up at the close of the service to symbolically make yourself part of this chain of light. As you receive a candle, uh, simply take it and hold it sideways with one of these candles like that, and then upright. And then we'd like you to carry it down this path of suffering that Jesus asks us to walk. Let your light go out from this place. And if you put something in front of the candle, you can actually make it to the end without it, without it going out. Put your hand in front of it. Um, and as, as, the, uh, as our helpers tonight will uh, let you take a candle, I, th- I think they'll have a word of blessing for you too. And the word of blessing is walk in the light of Christ. Receive this light and walk in the light knowing that as you walk this path of pain, which is a path that we all must walk as sinners, that we walk with the light of Jesus, knowing that there is no pain and no suffering and no sin that God's love cannot overcome. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Dear Lord, put your blessing on us now as we take our own candle and become part of this chain of light which you intend to go to the whole world. Help us truly to walk in the light of Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.